Anchored is a production of the Classic Learning Test, based in Annapolis, Maryland, reconnecting knowledge and virtue. Visit us at cltexam.com. Welcome back to the Anchored Podcast, the official podcast of the Classic Learning Test. I'm here on campus at Mount St. Mary's University, the second oldest Catholic university in America, going back all the way to 1808. Uh, and I'm here with the very popular president, Timothy E. Trainer, President Trainer, thanks for being with us. Oh, thanks, Jeremy. And welcome to our beautiful campus. Glad you could join us today. Uh, it's an amazing place, and I, I'm so excited to, to dig in and, and learn more about the Mount. Uh, I love being on campus here, uh, the Grotto. If you haven't visited the Mount, it's a place to visit uh, for sure. Uh, president Trainer, we'd love to talk about kind of your, whenever I get a chance to connect with the college president, I'm interested in kind of your journey here, uh, when you think back to your your days as a young boy uh, in school, did you ever see yourself uh, as a college president? Absolutely not. I mean, you know, uh, uh, I never saw this path, and it and it life life happens. And and basically, I I grew up in a strong Catholic family. I was fortunate to go to a a strong uh, a Catholic high school, Don Bosco Prep, run by Salesian Brothers. Yeah, that was. Uh, that was wonderful in New Jersey um, and then was fortunate to go to West Point um, and join the military and uh, was, again, fortunate to serve 33 years in the Army and uh, um, was. <laughs> but I never saw myself coming uh, to be a university president. I, I was fortunate in the military as I evolved my career. The second half of my career, I kind of I spent in the, the majority of that time in uh, higher education, serving at West Point. So uh, I was uh, was able to get uh, advanced degrees at the master's level and then PhD level, and then served the last 15 years uh, of my career at West Point um, with the last six as the, what they call the Dean and Chief Academic Officer at West Point. Um, and I retired from there in 2016. And tell us a bit more about that experience. Were you in Catholic schools, K-12? Uh, n- uh, just to uh, high school. Uh, for Catholic schools, I was in the public public schools K through eight, and then uh, uh, and then went to, to um, uh, like I said, to a Salesian Brothers school. Okay, okay. And was it during that time you first started to consider a career in the military? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. So was was I, there was a sense of service. Um, you know, you really the idea of service, I think, really gets um, uh, uh, one of the. I'll, I'll say service is one of the values that's really pushed. When you get into uh, a Catholic education, I think it's one of the one of the values, a, a key values, I believe, a Catholic education, whether it's at the primary school level, high school, uh, or college level, is this idea of service. And uh, uh, the Salesians of Saint John Bosco, that was a big part of their of their formation and their educational process was this idea of service. And I got introduced to it there, and just really enjoyed it. And uh, and we were we lived about 45 minutes from West Point. So my dad was interested in history. He took my brother and I up there a couple of times. And um, anyway, that's that's how we got, we got interested in it. Well, I've said a number of times on the Anchor podcast, I really am convinced the job of a university president, it may be one of the hardest jobs under the sun. You've got to have academic chops, financial chops, organizational chops. And then you've got to typically be used to a number of people being mad at you on any given day for things that you can't even control. Um, how did your time, 33 years in the military, prepare you to be a president of a historic university? Jeremy, that's a great question. And, and um, following on what I said before, B- 
because the way my military career evolved to the last half of my career, 15 years serving at West Point, you know, West Point is a uh, is basically it's a four year undergraduate institution of uh, uh, of higher education. And so um, that prepared that experience prepared me for that. But most importantly, I think, is just the idea of developing in the Army of this whole idea of leadership. It is it is about leadership. You being a university president is about leading through whether it's good times or challenging times, as you know, you alluded to. There's lots of people who, uh, uh, um, uh, you know, have different opinions about how to run things. And, um, and and some of the basic leadership skills and uh, experiences I had in the military, I think, prepared me to be a college president. Um, uh, not everything. I mean, the, the financial acumen, the financial uh, acumen needed to run a private nonprofit is very different from serving in a public uh, governmental organization. Um, but you learn. You learn uh, uh, about that because uh, of being committed and uh, committed to the job, committed to most importantly, committed to excellence, committed to organizational and institutional excellence. So you develop the skills you need that you don't necessarily have when I got here, really focused on understanding those. And the two primary ones I will say that I really needed to work hard on when I got here were the financial acumen and then uh, recruiting enrollment. Very different model at the military academy than here. Um, But I kind of went off in a few directions there. But the idea is the military prepared me well to do what I'm doing now. And the last thing I'll say on that, it certainly prepared me in terms of crisis management, <laughs> which these last few years, as you can imagine, with uh, leading through COVID and whatnot, um, a lot of crisis management and the, the the military prepares you well for that. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I love to talk about in, in your inaugural address. Uh, I was I was really encouraged just to hear you talk right away about the mission, the history, the Catholic identity of the Mount. Um, I mean, 1808, the second oldest Catholic university uh, in America, uh, far older even than the Catholic University of America. Uh, tell us a little bit about this, the history of the Mount and how it came to be. Thanks for asking me that, Jeremy, because I love the history of the place. And that's one of the things that attracted me to uh, um, to the Mount was the history. Very similar to West Point. West Point started in 1802, was foundational foundational to the uh, uh, early days and founding of our uh, fledgling nation at the time. Similarly, Mount St. Mary's, established in 1808, was significant and foundational to the growth uh, and the beginnings of the Catholic Church in the United States. Um, and so we we're founded uh, by Father John Dubois, who emigrated, who, who was a religious refugee uh, from France, fled, fled France in 1790 way, 1791, made his way to the United States, eventually made his way here to Mary's Mountain and planted a cross up on the hill where our grotto is now and said, I will establish my church here in 1805. And from there, um, he uh, there was a preparatory seminary up in Fairfield, Pennsylvania that was closing down. He agreed to take it over. It moved here. And so uh, Mount St. Mary started in 1808 as La Petite Seminaire, a minor seminary as a feeder to St. Mary's Seminary in Baltimore. Oh, okay. um, and from there, it, it took off and became eventually its own seminary, uh, uh, its own seminary and a, a, a preparatory school. Um, and uh, it was officially chartered in 1830 by the state of Maryland. Okay. Um, 
but it's really, really interesting. And, and if you look at the history of some of the people who've come through here, um, uh, many folks like Father John uh, Hughes, who became the first Archbishop of New York, yeah. he helped start what's now Fordham University. He was also the person in New York who uh, um, helped lay the cornerstone uh, for what's now uh, St. Patrick's Cathedral up there. Oh, no, uh, no. And so, and and we helped start uh, our early graduates helped start other Catholic uh, um, uh, schools of higher education um, uh, in the United States. So I really love our history because our history is about, when you think about it, religious refugee. So he fled France, rolled up his sleeves and got to work. And that's what our graduates do. They're, we're, we're scrappy. We really, we really roll up our sleeves. We figure out how to get it done and we make an impact wherever we serve, uh, our graduates serve around the country, around the world. So this is a beautiful story. So 1805, he plants his cross on, on this hill, which is now known as, as the Grotto, where you have, I believe, hundreds of thousands of visitors every year. And this is very much a part of the lifeblood of the university. When did the Grotto become the Grotto? Ah, great question. You know, the Grotto really came into his existence, uh, I think it was 1956. It was in the latter half of the 1950s. Um, uh, Monsignor Phillips established it uh, um, uh, as a as a uh, the grotto and um, applied to have it become a shrine. And so it is uh, uh, the National Shrine Grotto of Our Lady of Lords. So it's modeled on the image of uh, our uh, Our Lady of Lords uh, um, in France. And um, we have you may notice the beautiful 25 uh, foot statue of Our Blessed Mother who uh, has been, was uh, erected up in the early 1960s. And so she watched over the mound 24-7, um, uh, uh, as we say, with her loving care uh, um, uh, since the early 1960s. And we took her down last summer and we've been refurbishing her and she's back up now. If you look up the hill, I can show you later. But um, the uh, we have hundred. We have between three and four hundred thousand visitors a year that come to do devotion to our Blessed Mother at the Grotto, and um, it is a, a, a wonderful space. We get lots and lots of pilgrims and people from all over the world who come to visit uh, uh, the Grotto, and, and as I said, do devotion to uh, our Blessed Mother. It's, have you been to Lourdes as well? I have not. I have not. I have not. But uh, someday, I, I hope to do that. Um, for, for the CLT base, you know, we have a lot of families. Uh, they're going through Mother Divine Grace Homeschool or Seton or Colby. Uh, Catholic identity is is of utmost importance. And I, I know, you know, for a lot of these families, there's a frustration uh, about the overall mission drift uh, of many Catholic universities uh, in the United States. We know the only university older than the mouth that's Catholic is Georgetown. And I think I think most people would say there's been clear mission drift at Georgetown. Um, I, I was very encouraged by your inaugural address. I've been watching from afar uh, that right away uh, you double down on the, the Catholic identity uh, of the university. Um, how does a university like the Mount avoid mission drift? Uh, that's, that's a great question, Jeremy. And it, and it, it is especially in today's society where there's so much um, parochialism and so much uh, division 
uh, in society on social issues, even on religion. Uh, there's division in our own church. Uh, and it, it, is, it is hard to stay true, but the, the, how you stay true is by sticking to your foundational values. And we have a set of values that we, we stay true to, and they are linked back to that wonderful discussion we just had about the, the historical roots of Mount St. Mary's. And, and um, uh, uh, we stay true to our foundational values, which include things uh, like inclusion. I mean, I talked about, you know, our founder was a religious, was fled France as a religious refugee. So we're not going to, you know, you think about it, we're not going to discriminate. We can't discriminate uh, and, and should not discriminate against anybody, uh, um, especially when our founder was discriminated against from being a Catholic, you know. And so we, we, uh, um, we welcome all, we include all, but we stick to teaching our foundational values, which, uh, um, uh, which accentuate our Catholic identity. And then also think about the other aspect we haven't talked about in our Catholic identity is we have a wonderful uh, uh, Catholic seminary, which is now the largest in the country as part of Mount St. Mary's University. Um, and, uh, and the seminary, seminarians as part of as part of their pastoral formation program, they volunteer to serve as um, uh, chaplains for our sports teams in campus ministry and in other student activities. They eat in this in the same uh, uh, facility as uh, our students, and so there's interactions between our seminarians and our students. And I think that's another way we help accentuate and uh, stay true to our Catholic identity. I have heard that you make many, many uh, Mount uh, sporting events. And uh, I think it's one of the things that makes uh, the Mount unique as well is, is really, really top athletics. Uh, how does sport, I love some of the JP2 quotes on athletics. And I, I'm really convinced that especially in kind of mainstream K-12 where character, character formation has been lost for, by, by and large for the most part, it still happens on the field you know, coaches that are uh, encouraging and instilling discipline and, and hard work, uh, courage. Uh, how does this sports fit into the overall mission of the Mount? Yeah, no, it, it's it's an integral part. Uh, we are a NCAA Division One school. Um, we've gone from 16 Division One teams uh, when I got here in 2016 to 24 D1 teams. Uh, we just uh, transitioned to a, uh, a new conference called uh, the MAC, the Metro Atlantic Athletic Conference. Um, and the reason we did that is because um, that's that conference has more Catholic schools, much more mission oriented like the Mount. Uh, um, and. Uh, arguably, they're stronger. The set of schools were uh, um, argu arguably stronger academically and athletically than our previous conference, which was wonderful. Um, but it was time for us uh, to move in this direction. And, and um, we're really excited about it. But why sports is integral? I mean, coming from the military and from the military academy, where sports are really an ath athleticism, physical activity is very important. I do think there's huge character development that happens as part of sport. Um, you're put in a crucible experience, whether it's on the field or practices or developing yourself. And I think there's a lot of leadership lessons and character development that are part of sport. And um, uh, and so I think it is a part of an overall, it's, it's a key developmental pillar, I think, for an educational spirit, uh, experience for those students who choose to be involved. Uh, in that kind of experience. And then, 
you know, like I mentioned be, uh, just before, we've got our seminarians involved with our teams to serve as volunteer chaplains, and they are an integral part, and our student athletes relate to them and confide in them as needed. Um, and so I, I do think there's a lot of goodness to athletics, and and it's been foundational to the Mount. I mean, <laughs> tell you a quick story. We, uh, uh, um, Babe Ruth was discovered at Mount St. Mary's. No University. kidding. I he, know that. He grew up in Baltimore and yeah. uh, was uh, went to Baltimore Technical High School and came came up here to our Echo Field to play a, uh, a scrimmage game against some alumni and uh, pitched really well. <laughs> pitched really well. This was like 1920, 1918, 1920. Don't yeah. quote me on that. But he uh, was discovered then. Somebody saw him, talked to a scout who then – and and then history goes. He came back to visit at the Mount uh, yeah. when he was approved to thank wow. folks for helping him be discovered. Wow, wow, it's fascinating. So story. it's athletics is a big part of it. Uh, let's talk about academics. I, I was really thrilled. I, I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong, that you you introduced uh, a PPE program to the Mount. Is that accurate? I can't personally take credit for that, uh, uh, Jeremy. That was in the works when I got here. So I okay. can't take credit. So PPE, uh, philosophy, politics, economics, uh, I am convinced really it, it may be one of the very best majors uh, there is. I only know three other universities that offer it. Uh, Dallas Baptist, the King's College in New York, and then the University of Navarra in uh, Pamplona, Spain, all closed CLT partner colleges. Um, tell us about, about this program. I, I think where so many of us are, are sad about kind of the loss of the humanities of a well-rounded education that in a in a rapidly changing job market, I believe is more crucial than ever. PPE is such a great major. Uh, tell us a little bit about this program. Yeah, no, uh, I agree with you. I think it's a wonderful major uh, because of the uh, diversity of, uh, of uh, thinking and skill sets provided to the students going through it. You know, philosophy, politics, and economics. Um, it was started, uh, it was coming on board as I got here and it has grown significantly. We have a lot of students involved in it. Um, and I think a lot of the attraction is you've got classical learning as part of it, you know, a heavy emphasis on philosophy, but also economics. Uh, um, and then, you know, how do you apply it in, in, a, in a world today, uh, um, particularly that, you know, that uh, uh, divided world we, we spoke about previously? And the politics side brings to that. What we find is there are a number of students going into that who are interested in government service, potentially being uh, going into law. Uh, um, and those are the kind of students uh, going into it. But it is, it is uh, I think, a wonderful major because of the classical aspects of philosophy and economics are taught. And then how do you apply them in a, in a, in a world today through the uh, political angle? I think is, is it's really an exciting major. You know, when I when I launched CLT back in 2015, I, I was still at the time uh, working at Mount Vassell's Academy, which is run by the Dominican Sisters out of Nashville. One of the families I got very close to was the Balick family, Veronica. Uh, great family. And they, they spend a lot of time really, really doing their homework, researching the best possible university options and ended up at the Mount. And one of the reasons they did was because Veronica, and she's probably fast on her way to being a doctor now, uh, they were looking for a program that had a very serious kind of pre-med program, uh, but that one that would also honor the teachings of the church. Uh, and they said there weren't that many options. The Mount was really unique in that respect. Uh, students looking at nursing and becoming a doctor, pre-med, can you speak to uh, the mount, uh, the commitment to the sciences, but doing so in a Catholic context. Yeah. Um, well, 
first off, both Veronica and, and Rebecca are, are wonderful. We're, we're wonderful students and are doing excelling now. And they did uh, earned all sorts of honors here and, and uh, um, fellowships uh, beyond um, the Mount. And so, you know, we do, uh, um, we actually are seeing now more and more students interested in studying in, in STEM. We had, uh, I mentioned before, 20% growth in undergraduate enrollment in the last uh, six years, but 30% growth in those wishing to study in the STEM disciplines and the sciences. And um, we, our science majors, beyond being, you know, a science major preparing for med school, for those who choose to go into health sciences and prepare for med school, they have to take the same core curriculum as everybody else, which is grounded in theology, philosophy primarily, and in the, and in the, uh, other humanities. But um, deep study uh, 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 requirements in theology and philosophy, in addition to other humanities disciplines, uh, they all have to do that. They don't get a pass on that because they want to be STEM majors. And I think that's the key to developing in them those critical thinking mm -hmm. and creative problem solving skills uh, that are needed and that help them yeah. in their studies and preparedness to be a doctor. Um, I, I am so encouraged to hear that. I mean, I think as exciting as, as STEM can be, I think STEM divorced from moral formation, STEM divorced from the humanities is kind of terrifying, actually. Nice. And as I'm, I'm really encouraged to hear the mouth. So those students, the, the STEM majors, they're, they're still doing the rigorous core curriculum and philosophy and theology. It's great to hear. Yeah. Yeah. And it's I think it's essential. I mean, it's essential to our entire uh, educational model here. Mm -hmm. I mean, our core curriculum, uh, uh, it's at least, it's 49 credits out of a minimum of 120 oh, wow. to graduate. So it's a lot. It's substantial. Yeah. And it is not a uh, general ed uh, type core curriculum. By that, what I mean is this is it's. It is uh, a directed core curriculum where the courses are, uh, these are the courses students take. There's very little choice in the, in the uh, uh, core. It's not, it's not uh, a one choose, you know, 50 uh, out of 50 type courses uh, that you take. It's there. They are purposely um, planned to be progressively and sequentially and progressively developing uh, over the course of their uh, time as a student. Um, so they're deliberately planned. They're integrated with each other to build on each other. Um, uh, and I really and the, the success we see from it is our, our um, uh, 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 excellent job outcomes. Mm -hmm. So our graduates, um, in terms of their uh, uh, outcomes when they graduate, in terms of going to graduate school um, uh, and getting a job, are very, very high. So our classes of 2018 and 19, 100% were employed or in graduate school within a year after graduation. And uh, and and even our statistics uh, um, in the COVID era in the classes of 2020 and beyond uh, have been better than peer competitors. And I think a lot of that is due to the core curriculum. It's the skills, it's the critical, uh, those critical thinking skills, it's the writing skills, it's the communication skills our graduates get from that core curriculum that really set them up, I think, to do well in both graduate school uh, and in getting jobs. It's what employers are looking for, I think. Love that. Uh, students, families, and by the way, we love that we have a growing audience of students and even teachers uh, signing the Anchor podcast as homework, so thank you for doing that. Uh, students who are interested in the Mount, what is a good next step? Do you have uh, kind of a weekend to visit? What would you recommend? Yeah, no, we... 
we run visits. We're still we run visits now. We have a number of students coming in this summer here in in August uh, who are look who are starting their college search for fall of 2023. Uh, so what I recommend to do is visit, 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 visit. You know uh, 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 our our website ms uh, msmu dot uh, uh, edu uh, admissions. You'll find ways to visit us, but please visit us. That's the key to uh, selecting a college. Don't choose a college based on a glossy brochure or somebody else's opinion of it. You and your family need to get on the campus, experience it, see what it feels like, interact with students and with faculty, and get the feel for the place. That's how you choose a college. And if you come to see us, you will get that wonderful feel about what makes the Mount special. Love that. And about 2,800 undergraduates. Is that about? Yeah, 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 about 1,900 full-time undergraduates, about 2,000 overall. Okay, and, and congratulations. I know in the past few years, there's been uh, some record enrollment at the Mount, which is exciting, and, and I think a good a good indication that you're, you're definitely doing something right. And that was even during, uh, I think, the years of kind of early early COVID as well. What was that like to navigate as a university president? Oh, it was interesting. I mentioned going back to before crisis management. That's where the crisis management I learned in the military came to play. But, you know, it it worked. We we realized that, you know, like everybody else in March of 2020, um, we had to close our doors and send students home, complete the semester online. And our faculty were awesome in adapting to that. And so were our students. But I, but we, we realized in April of that year that this was not the kind of learning experience students need. They need to be engaged with people, engaged with faculty. So we went into a deliberate planning process uh, uh, in April of 2020 and said we were going to open our doors uh, in August of 2020. And we did. Um, and uh, that, and we had record enrollment and, um, and we did it safely. Yeah, of course, we had COVID cases, yeah. but we were very careful about planning and isolation, testing, so on and so forth. And the key I saw to that was we got over 100 people involved uh, in the planning of how we were going to do what we called our Mount Safe plan. And then we continuously communicated with students and their families about what what was going to be needed. And best of all is people cooperated. And they cooperated because they showed what I think is a true care and concern for their neighbors. Love that. Love that. Uh, final question. We always end the Anchor podcast uh, talking about the books that have been most formative for our guests. Uh, President Trainer, love to hear what that book is for you. It's a great question, Jeremy. You know, I, I, as far as what's most formative to me, way I'll answer it is this, is the book I've gone, the work I've gone back to most in this job right right now is actually Jim Collins is good to great. Love it. We read that as a whole company. Oh, did you? Okay. Yeah. And he has right over there. I've got a well, you know, pointing across my office here to I've got a well thumbed copy of what's called good to great for the service sector, which includes education yeah. that he, he wrote. We use that uh, um, as a team in developing our strategic plan that has been leading us to success um, for the last five years. And so um, that's, that's why I, I'll say that's the one that's been most instrumental uh, in my work here. Okay, that's fantastic. One of the things I love about CLT company culture, every Monday morning when the world is kind of crashing in, we actually stop and we read out loud together for 30 minutes. And we did do good to great one quarter. And I think it was one of the highlights for sure. So definitely a good read, one that we would recommend here as well. Uh, President Trainer, what a delight to be on campus with you today. Uh, students, parents, again, definitely check out the Mount, uh, the second oldest Catholic university 
uh, in the U.S. Uh, President Trainer, thanks for your time today. Oh, thank you, Jeremy. I really appreciate you visiting us. And I have to end, as I always end, go Mount. Love it. Thanks for listening to this episode of Anchored. If you enjoyed it, be sure to subscribe and share it with your friends and colleagues. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time.